energy. The guy told me I was no spring chicken anymore, and that's why my ankle was still hurting. I'm 33, not 133. The passion. The Red Sox handling of Xander Bogarts is a complete organizational failure. The opinions on all your favorite teams. No, not this year, but it's next year where Bill Belichick ends up on the hot seat. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas here on a Tuesday. Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show today. We're on for just an hour. Norwich hockey with these pesky but fun midweek games. The cadets take it on Middlebury College at Kreitzberg Arena. Our coverage, 630. The, well, the faceoff drops at 7. 635 with the official pregame show. Tom Karen of Nesson's going to stop by at 545. Usually he's with us on a Wednesday, but today we had to switch to a Tuesday for a special edition of TC. Talk some Bruins and Sox with him. Some Lamar Jackson Patriots rumors that are kind of spicy and I did speak with former UVM hoops coach Tom Brennan. The Catamounts take on Maine. That interview is available on our Brady Farkas Show podcast channel. That game will be Thursday, but a lot of stuff on the Catamounts that you'll want to know about, and we'll also probably discuss some of it tomorrow. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. That's 802-585-3026. You are locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I want to start here. I want to say this, and I want to say this one time. I want to address this one time as we move into the NFL offseason. I want to do that right now. Tom Brady is not retiring. He's not retiring. He's not walking away. He's not leaving the NFL. He's not being forced out. He's not not playing in 2023. Let's nip this in the bud because I want to have this discussion once and one time only. Tom Brady is not retiring. Tom Brady was never retiring. Now, he may not go back to Tampa, but he is not retiring. I hate this discussion that everybody nationally is already doing today. Was that Tom's last game? Was Tom saying goodbye at the podium? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it because absolutely none of it matters. What are people not realizing here? Okay, Because this is the fact. Tom Brady broke apart his family. For the game of football. Does everybody understand the severity of the choice that he made? He broke apart his family. He lost his wife. He lost full-time access to his kids. He did not do all of that. He did not break up all of that. So he could play an extra eight games with the middling 2022 Buccaneers. He did that because, as corny as it sounds, he sees himself as married to the game. 
The game means more to him than anything else. And you can debate the man's priorities, but that is the reality. That is what he has showed you, and that is what he has told you. Tom Brady forfeited everything personally for this game. He did not do that for eight extra games. He wants another one to two seasons at least. The question is not if Tom is staying or going. The question is where is Tom going in 2023? That's the only discussion worth having. If Tom Brady retires, I will come on that day and say I was wrong, but I will say I am completely flabbergasted. And I would be completely shocked if Tom Brady walks away. Look, go out yesterday's performance or win the Super Bowl. I think Tom Brady was coming back no matter what. He gave up his wife and kids for his career. You don't do that for a short-sighted extra two months playing the game. You do that because the game is more important to you than everything else. And if the game is more important to you than everything else, then you are sticking around. That's it. Everybody talking nationally today about is Brady retired or not retired, I'm proud from someone who's been in the business, that is just content filler. That is just people looking to fill space on their program. Because the reality is, he's not walking away. He was never walking away. And that's it. And he's going to have options. In fact, he's going to have several options. It would be one thing if Brady was going to be optionless, but he's going to have several suitors. Right? I mean, the obvious ones. Vegas needs a quarterback. They're moving on from Derek Carr. They have an impulsive, star-driven owner in Mark Davis. Brady's great friends and works well with the head coach, Josh McDaniels. They have Devontae Adams for him to throw to. That's a logical spot. They have Hunter Renfro. They have Darren Waller. That is a logical spot. The 49ers. Look, we've seen what Kyle Shanahan can do with Jimmy Garoppolo get to a Super Bowl. We've seen what he can do with Brock Purdy. He's unbeaten right now as a starter. Imagine what he could do with Tom Brady. The NFC is the worst of the worst of the two conferences. The NFC West is a very winnable division. The Niners won it this year easily. He'd have Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey, an elite defense and an elite play caller. He's from California. He grew up a Niners fan. Fan. His family, his his birth family is there. That's a logical spot, and they will be a suitor. Tennessee can move on from Ryan Tannehill. Brady's good friends with their head coach, Mike Vrabel. The AFC South is also a very winnable division. Carolina needs a quarterback. There's already rumors that Sean Payton and Brady could be a package deal there, and Payton, who worked well, works well with quarterbacks and worked well with an older quarterback in Drew Brees, that could be a home run for Tom Brady. That's just four, right? That's four that makes sense where Brady has connections with, but beyond that, the Jets need a quarterback. Washington could need a quarterback. Indy, Seattle, Baltimore if Lamar Jackson gets traded. Atlanta if they want to not give the job to Desmond Ritter yet. There are going to be plenty of options, and there's going to be some good ones, and there's going to be some options where he can win. He's not walking away from all of that. Anybody telling you that he's going to walk away is just looking to fill time or is just looking to be clever. Because the evidence tells me he's not going anywhere. 
The man gave up his family. Like, what more proof do you need that the game is what he values above all else? That's it. Look, he could have stayed with Giselle. He could have retired, and he could have gone to work at Fox and been near the game. Some athletes are okay just being near the game. Brady's not. He wants to play the game. He wants to be the game. He doesn't want to cover the story. He doesn't want to tell the story. He wants to be the story. The proof is in his actions. He very well may leave Tampa. He's not leaving football. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. For what it's worth, betonline.ag earlier today listed the Patriots as the third favorite to sign Tom Brady. Just so you know. Patriots, the third favorite. Now, I pass that along as more of an FYI because I don't believe that Tom Brady's going to come back to New England. Of course, there's a path there. The gambling odds makers see it, but I don't think it's realistic, and I don't think that's what anybody really wants. I mean, Robert Kraft would eat it up probably from a nostalgia, friendship, and ticket sales perspective, but that's really it. Belichick doesn't want to run this back with Brady. Brady doesn't want to run it back with Belichick. He doesn't want to play without, with murkiness at the offensive coordinator, with murkiness at receiver. So I, I get why Brady and the Patriots are kind of linked together as a possibility. I don't see it happening. And as I've told you before, I don't want it to happen. Tom Brady looked really bad last night. I don't want to see him look bad as a Patriot, and I don't want to see him look bad for a period of of 17 games. That would be painful to me. Some of you would probably not care a bit because you'd just be happy to see him in a uniform, and that's fine, but I don't want to see him look bad here. It's one thing if he looks bad in Tampa. It's one thing if he looks bad in Vegas or in Miami or wherever he might go, but... I don't want to see him look bad here. I am not down with that. I don't think that this reunion would make sense for either Brady or Belichick. Robert Kraft would like it. Season ticket holders would like it. But a lot of the same issues that Brady had with the Patriots the first time when he left, they're still present. Belichick's here. There's offensive coordinator murkiness. There's questionable talent around him. There's not a great line yet. He'd have to sign before the draft when he has no idea what the, what's going to happen in the draft. He'd have to sign probably on the first day of free agency before the Pats have done anything else. I don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to go into where something is established rather than go in somewhere blind. So Tom Brady coming back to New England is not for me. Uh, Sean in Salisbury, how do you think Mac Jones would feel if Brady came back? Furious? I'd be furious, wouldn't you? If I'm Mac and the team brought back Brady, I'd walk in and demand a trade. I would walk in and demand a trade. Like, look, you gave me all this garbage all season. You gave me this team around me. You took away some of my depth. You traded away my offensive lineman and Shaq Mason. You played mind games with me in the media. You didn't like how I handled my hurt ankle. I got hurt and came back as quick as possible. You did all that to me, and now you want to replace me with somebody double my age? How do you feel in any relationship, right? You have a, you ha- There's a relationship where somebody breaks up with somebody. You then get with that person for two years and help them forget about their ex. 
and then the minute the ex calls, they go right back to them? How would you feel? I'd be furious. If the Patriots tried to bring back Tom Brady, if I'm Mac Jones, I'm walking into Robert Kraft's office personally and saying, get me the hell out of here. I helped you get over Brady. I got to the playoffs. You gave me nothing but grief in 2022. Did nothing to help me. Played with my mind. And now you want to ditch me? Uh-uh. That's not how it works. If I'm Mac Jones, that's exactly what I'd be saying. I'd say, look, y'all love Zappy so much, let him be the backup, because I'm out. Timothy over in Brighton, didn't you have a piece, Brady, of audio during the news that said Brady wasn't athletic enough to play quarterback anymore? Yes, that was from Mike Tannenbaum, the former NFL executive. I, I do have that. I did play that during the midday news service. I will play it again, but I want to play it just after 6 o'clock because I have real thoughts on what Tannenbaum had to say and what he had to say about Brady and what he has to say about the physical skill set needed to play the quarterback position at this point in the NFL's history. It's too much for right now because we got TC coming up in a minute. So just after the CBS News at 6, I will talk about the idea that Tom Brady is not athletic enough to play quarterback in the NFL. All right, TC is calling in a couple of minutes early here, so let's get to Tom Karen. Looking for the latest information on the Red Sox? Not only is David Ortiz a Hall of Famer, but he is one of the best of the best. How about the Bruins? Are they a Stanley Cup champion? Probably not as presently constructed, but they're a playoff team. And you've come to the right place. We talk now with Nesson insider Tom Karen. Baseball isn't boring because there's still nothing like the communal gathering of fans at a baseball game. On the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Several people now getting in on the text line on the idea of Tom Brady coming back to New England. I'll get to that after the 6 o'clock hour, too. I've said it before. I need to update that Tom Karen intro because, yes, the Bruins are a Stanley Cup favorite. That is for sure. So, I got to get Danny on uh, updating that because Danny makes those way better than I can. So I got to have him do that. I do have Tom Karen on the phone line now. He's our Red Sox and Bruins insider over at Nesson. He's usually with us on Wednesdays. This week, though, he's with us on a special edition Tuesday. TC, how are you? Doing well, Brady. How you doing? I'm doing well as well. I want to switch things up because usually I have, you know, eight Red Sox questions, and that leaves us little time for the Bruins. Let's go in reverse today. Uh, The Bruins are rolling. They played a Martin Luther King Jr. Day matinee yesterday and rolled the Flyers 6-0. Look, I've been in Patriots mode. I've been in UVM basketball mode. I've been following the Bruins and Celtics a little lukewarmly for the last few months. Educate me on why this team is not just so good, but one of the best teams in NHL history through, you know, not even 50 games. Yeah, and they are, by the way. I mean, yeah. I, think, I don't think people realize just uh, the, the level at which this team is playing. Uh, if they were – I was playing this around a little bit yesterday during the game. If, if they were to go 500 the rest of the season, they'd still finish with 112 points, which would be one of the 10 best seasons in Boston Bruins history. And they've been playing hockey for 98 <laughs> years. And if they go 500 the rest of the year, that's going to be a stunning disappointment, right, after where they played now. They've only got five regulation losses. And, and if you throw in the shootout uh, overtime losses, 
That's nine total. They're nine O and O when they play after a loss. They we're in January, mid January, and they have yet to lose back to back games. So it is really remarkable what they're doing. They're doing it because up front they've got great depth. David Krejci played his 1,000th game yesterday, mm-hmm. three assists to celebrate that game. Uh, you know, after taking an entire year's sabbatical to be with family and friends and play at home, uh, he's back and it looks like he never left. And and you realize just how badly they missed him last season as that second line center who can just make that second line as effective as the first line. Taylor Hall uh, is playing like a guy hell bent to win a cup. Uh, and, and, you know, DeBrusque is out right now and will be for a while, but he was playing uh, at a high level. Felino has, I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Wayne Simmons Saturday night in the first period of that game against the Leafs. Uh, and, and this is the, you know, the, the homogenized NHL. You're not supposed to have heavyweight bouts. And this thing was as good as anything you saw back in the day. They squared up. They went at each other, two heavyweights uh, who've played the game a long time but had never fought each other. If you didn't see that game Saturday night, and listen, I again, I'm still getting skewered on Twitter for saying <laughs> I feel bad if you wasted your time on these football blowouts because it was 27 nothing when I tweeted that. Uh, that's the classic didn't age very well. <laughs> uh, but that Bruins game Saturday night uh, is as close to a playoff atmosphere in January as you're ever going to see in the NHL. Uh, it left them 11 points clear of Toronto, 10 points clear of any other team in the NHL. Uh, the defense is strong, uh, and the goaltending. I, you know, I spent a lot of time with you uh, complaining about the Olmark signing because I thought Swayman was the guy. But I, D- Don Sweeney should do a victory lap, should throw on skates and do a victory lap after his next shutout because we see why. And he's having one of the best. Se- he's having his best season ever, and he's having one of the best years of any goalie in the NHL. Are you getting the sense that people are fully appreciating the Bruins season? Because generally bad teams are the ones that are interesting and good teams were kind of just like, let's fast forward to the playoffs and see if they can win the whole thing. We don't always enjoy the moment. Are people enjoying what this team is doing? You think is uh, properly? I don't think they are. I think there's a couple of reasons. A, uh, you know, people like you dwell on the negative, and, wow. uh, you know, but no, you don't actually, but sports radio does, right? I mean, <laughs> again, when, you know, I've done radio over the years, uh, you, a tough loss is going to light up the phones a lot quicker than a 20 point win for the Celtics. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's just the reality of it. I mean, Tatum has his, uh, another insane game yesterday with the 51 points. Uh, it's a, maybe a bigger national story than a local story. We're more interested in Tom Brady and, uh, <laughs> is he going to retire after a horrible performance last night, but to the Bruins, especially, I don't think people are. And, and if you go to it and this is the other part of it, because of where we are and when we are at this moment in time in Boston, Nothing short of a championship uh, is is worthy of the fan base right now, right? Mm. So I, I tweet out some of those numbers yesterday, and the overwhelming response and comments back uh, are, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything if they don't win the cup. You know, so there's already this, yeah, sure, they're having a great regular season. They better not blow it in the playoffs because, you know, mm. we haven't seen one in, in 12 years. So, I, no, I don't think they are appreciating it. But I'll tell you, on moments like Saturday night, Saturday night, I think, was a changer for me. That was that was one of the best regular season hockey games I've I've seen in years. Uh, it's on the short list of best regular season games I've ever seen. The the Garden was rocking from from the the national anthem. The fight came early in the game and it went nuts. Grizzly scores with a minute, whatever it was, sixteen left. 
uh, and the crowd. It was just a great hockey game. And then to follow that up, uh, a stirring win against a really good team with just an absolute blowout yesterday against the bad Flyers team. But but that's, you know, good teams don't always beat up on the bad team. So 6 nothing was the perfect follow-up for that. Is our, You know, as we start getting into trade deadline stuff in the next couple of weeks, are, are there upgrades to be made? Or do you look at it and say, they don't need anything, slash we don't want to mess with what we've got chemistry-wise? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question, and I, I don't know where they go. I think the beauty of this is you really are adding depth, I think, and I, I think even the best teams have to add depth if they can. So, you know, I, it's it's not hard to get a third, fourth-line guy who can help because, you know, DeBrusque is gone for a while, right? It's a reminder how quickly you could lose somebody. Uh, you can always add another defenseman, uh, but even, even if it's a fifth, sixth defenseman, but the, those help. You don't need a goalie. Uh, I think you're pretty well set there. I mean, a, a third string goalie uh, at this point, uh, you could always make a move for. But I, I, I do think you get the other part of it, though. Will Don Sweeney make a move to keep someone from going to Toronto or Tampa Bay? Mm. Right. That's that's where I think you, you have the luxury now of not only looking what do we need, uh, but looking at what could we do not only to make us a little better, but to keep somebody else from getting a little better. And that's what great teams are able to do. Tom Karen over at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. All right, let's get to some Red Sox news. There has been some content over the last couple of days. And the thing that struck me was Scott Boris's comments, I believe yesterday, in which he said basically right away we knew the Red Sox were out on Xander Bogarts. Now, he said – you know, I think they prioritized Devers and it was a given from the start. They were never going to be in on Xander. I wasn't quite buying that, but nonetheless, he thinks that the Red Sox were never a factor for Bogarts. Were you surprised to read that? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I do. The more I read it, the more I thought about it. You know, I think what he's talking about is now this year, you know, again, uh, like Mookie Betts, to me, the the mishandling of it came years earlier, right? Uh, Rip it up last year and give him a, a five, six year deal at short of money. I think you could have gotten that done. I still think they could have gotten that done. Uh, or, or two years ago, be proactive and say, listen, you signed a team friendly deal. Let's add on a couple of years, add more money on the back end. Uh, that's where they, they, I think they messed up. But I think when you look at Scott Morris's comments, you're talking about where they were this winter when deals started flying out at 10, 11 years or north of $300 million, Red Sox were not going to be in on that. And I understand why. I love Xander Bogarts. I think they should have locked him up a year ago and kept him here for the next six years. But I, you know, I could understand from a strictly baseball analytical performance uh, viewpoint, you don't want him here when he's 41. Uh, I don't know if I want any player here when I'm 41. Uh, so that's that, you know, so looking at that, I think Scott Boris is saying once the, the market went to 10 plus years, the Red Sox were not going to do this. You know, fascinating debate I had with Buster Olney last week. And I think he made a very sound argument, but I have a hard time telling someone not to play for their country or honor their heritage. It's probably the smart decision for Jaron Duran not to go to the World Baseball Classic and take the time and actually be in camp. But again, I can't tell a guy not to represent his heritage. Um, it's just an interesting spot Duran is in because I do think he would benefit from being in camp, especially with Yoshida and Verdugo gone. He'd have a ton of opportunity to open the eyes he needs to open. I, I think that is a great point. Uh, I also do think, though, there's something I, I don't like pitchers in the World Baseball Classic because they blow out their arms. 
and and we've seen the injuries that come later in the season for WBC pitchers. Uh, I do think there's something to be said for for like you said, maybe he could impress you at spring training, but maybe he can impress you in these World Baseball Classic games, right? Maybe he can maybe he can pull the Tristan Casas and use you know the international competition to really elevate his game. So so maybe, but again, how much is he playing? What's his role on that team? We'll see. Uh, but I do think that uh, if you're the player, I can understand saying, listen, if, if I'm trying to impress you this spring training, I'm going to do it in games that mean something against pitchers who are throwing their best, uh, not against some guy wearing a number 97 coming out of the Minnesota Twins bullpen. So I, I, you know, I, I think it could go both ways for a position player. You mentioned Yoshida, and I'm glad you did because I'm actually kind of – that's the one that I'm more disappointed in because he's yeah. a guy – that I want to see get over here and acclimate himself to the, to the American style of baseball, to the organization, different baseballs, everything that goes on when you come over from Japan. Uh, you know, Daisuke Matsuzaka, I am convinced the World Baseball Classic ended his Red Sox career. I mean, that was, hmm. yeah, he got the injury, overthrew again. Pitchers are different. Uh, but, but he was never the same after that. Uh, I, I really would have liked to see Yoshida get over here and immerse himself in the Red Sox way. There's been no evidence to suggest that they're going to do this, but they also haven't said that they won't do this. Where do you land on the idea of the Red Sox potentially bringing in Trevor Bauer? Uh, I, you know, again, I, I'm against it. I mean, simple as that. I'm against it. I, I just don't think you need, you need more criticism. Listen, I get it, right? The guy they said, what was his changeup? He said that he's been working on, and it's better than ever. Or I mean, curveball. I forget which pitch. Uh, but and and you know that's a you know from the value point of view you probably get a guy for the minimum who's going to do a lot more than the minimum if he's any good at all. Uh, but man, this team has again. I look at it. I'm not a baseball ops guy. I'm a TV guy, yes. and this team has been just bludgeoned over the last six months. Do you really want to open that door? And, and set yourself up for a round of criticism again. You, you know, you, I mean, the, the first, I can see Dan Shaughnessy's first column mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, you let guys like Xander Bogarts leave and you bring in guys like this. And I mm-hmm. don't know that that's who you want to be. Outside of Bauer, I'm kind of in the camp of I'm interested in the Red Sox bringing in anybody who's a major league player. So when I read the report yesterday about Jerks and Profar potentially being a target and Elvis Andrews, and I've seen Adam Duvall in the last few days, I'm in favor of all of these guys getting signed, TC. Yeah, so am I. And I've said this in the past, right? I said this to you, I think we talked about it last week, you know, like trading for Kim, but I would still go get. Profar or Iglesias or somebody who can give me more options and more depth. Uh, Duvall, I think, makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, defensively, he's good. It would allow you to move Kike into the infield uh, or, or rotate around anyway, uh, especially now that Trevor Story's out, right? You need uh, more and uh, more more options in the middle infield. and uh, you know, So I like Duvall. Uh, two years ago, had a great year. Last year, down. Uh, but we'll see where that goes. But he's a guy with power. They need power. He does strike out, right? But they need power, and uh, he's a plus defender in center field, and they need help out there as well. That would leave Verdugo and Yoshida uh, to stay on the corners, and you can move Kike because because we've heard Alex Cora talk about Kike as a shortstop, thinks he can do the job. So if that's going to be the case, you got to get a center fielder, and I don't want it to all be on Duran's shoulders because I don't think he's ready. Tom Karen, Sox and Bruins insider over at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on this rare Tuesday. We'll be back at it with TC again on Wednesday next week. TC, thank you. 
Thanks, Brady. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Tom Karen over at Nesson. Great stuff with TC as always. He will be back in his usual Wednesday slot next week. But good to talk Bruins for a while today. Something that we don't do enough. And look, I, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not trying to lie to you. I know a lot about sports. I'm one person. I have not gotten into the Bruins or the Celtics to that degree as much as a lot of you have yet. Okay. I go home. I watch, I, you know, I follow the Patriots. I'm watching all the NFL stuff. I'm always in on baseball. And then I will watch the Bruins and Celtics, but I hadn't gotten a chance to watch many full games until recently once the Patriots season ended. So I'm kind of just getting into them just like a lot of you are. So when I asked TC what's made them so good, that's not me trying to ask a stupid question. That's me trying to get caught up to speed. And I'm not I'm not pr- too proud to admit that, right? A lot of times in this business, people want to say, ah, I watch everything. And and for a long time, I was like that. I, I'm, I don't have the bandwidth to watch everything. And now that football season is over, at least for us, Patriot fans-wise, I can start to refocus on the Bruins and on the Celtics. And good stuff with TC saying that fans need to appreciate this run. And look, stuff like this doesn't happen every day. You're talking about being one of the best teams point-wise in NHL history. I liked what TC had to say about the Red Sox. We'll talk about some of that in the 6 o'clock hour, too. But uh, Red Sox did make a minor move yesterday signing catcher Jorge Alfaro, who used to be a pretty good prospect with the Phillies. Spent some time with the Marlins and the Padres as well. So he's going to come in and compete, probably with Reese McGuire and Connor Wong, to see which of those three can be two of the Red Sox catchers. So good stuff with TC. We'll get the CBS News update, and then... Talk a little bit more about the quarterback position. Mike Tannenbaum says Tom Brady's not athletic enough to play NFL quarterback anymore. I'm going to push back on that, and I'll provide you some proof as to why. That's next on DEV. Make your opinion heard by texting onto the Brady Farkas Show at 802 585 3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Norwich Hockey comes up 6.35 with the pregame show, so we're out of here about 6.30. The cadets hosting Middlebury at Kreitzberg Arena. We're going to recap some of what TC had to say about the Red Sox in about 15 minutes, but I want to answer some of your texts here about Tom Brady. John in Moncton says, I don't want the media circus that bringing Brady back will cause or the sidetrack from rebuilding the team. Uh, there would be a media circus if Tom Brady came back to New England. That's that's absolutely true. I don't think it would sidetrack the team because Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are uniquely qualified to handle something like that. So if Brady came back, I wouldn't worry about the media coverage overwhelming the team. Those guys are uniquely qualified to under, to, to handle that, to squash that, to just play football. I, I, I don't think that would be as big a detriment as you think. I just don't want Brady back because I don't want to see him play poorly in that uniform. Unnamed texter says Brady's too smart to go back to the Patriots. I just think there are better opportunities for Brady to win. What Tom Brady wants to do is win. There are teams that 
are definitely closer or appear to be closer than the Patriots, right? I think the Patriots can can fix this and turn it around. They can't, but it's not known yet. I think Brady wants something known. Josh McDaniels is known. Devontae Adams is known. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are known commodities to him. Kyle Shanahan is known. Debo is known. Kittle is known. I mean, so I, I, I just think Brady wants a little more certainty. He wants to know he can win. And you don't know he can win with the Patriots yet. We don't know who their offensive coordinator is going to be. We don't know what they're going to do in free agency. Brady knows that if the, if the Raiders do almost nothing in free agency, they're still going to have three great weapons for him to pass to. The Patriots don't have that. So I just think there are better opportunities out there for Brady. What I want to get to is this, and a texter asked this in the 5 o'clock hour, and I want to address it now. Let's talk about the quarterback position as a whole. Mike Tannenbaum, the former NFL executive, used to be the GM of the Jets. He was with the Dolphins as well. He says that Tom Brady is no longer athletic enough to play quarterback. I'm moving on. The other thing I was thinking about, let's just throw Brock Purdy out. The other seven quarterbacks are great athletes that are left from Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, obviously Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes. We're in a new era here. Tom Brady, all-time great. Give him his credit key. But we're moving on. Okay. So I've said for a while now, I disagree with Mike Tannenbaum. I think he's wrong, and here's why. I've said for a while now that I do believe you need to be athletic in order to play quarterback, right? I've said that for a while. You've heard me say that. But what I am referring to is you need to be athletic if you are a new and young quarterback. And there's a difference. Tom Brady is not new and Tom Brady is not young. Tom Brady does not need to be overly athletic. So I think that Mike Tannenbaum is wrong. Here's why I feel the way I do. Quarterbacks come out of college now, and they're expected to play right away or very close to right away. When they come in, they don't have the experience They haven't seen a whole lot of what they'll need to do in the NFL. They haven't seen certain blitzes. They haven't learned all the protection schemes. They aren't as experienced with calling audibles. Some of them have never played under center. So a lot of quarterbacks that come in don't have fundamental knowledge of the position. In order to cover up for that, you need to be able to be athletic. You need to be able to cover up for it with your athleticism. Justin Fields is a perfect example, right? He goes to Chicago, plays year one. Justin Fields started 10 games in year one, comes in, doesn't have all the experience, blocking schemes, blitz pickups, protection. So he's not going to be able to process things super easily pre-snap. Then... He has a bad offensive line that doesn't allow things to develop nicely for him post-snap. So then what do you do at that point? You take off, right? You don't see it clearly pre-snap. You don't have the time to let it develop post-snap. So then your internal clock starts to go when you do what comes natural, and that is run. That is take off. You run yourself or you run to extend plays and allow things to develop to the point where you can see them. When you are a young quarterback, being mobile is hugely important. It is my criticism of Mac Jones. It's why I didn't want the Patriots to draft Mac Jones. 
I knew there was going to be a learning curve pre-snap. I knew things were not going to be easy for him. I knew a young quarterback could be confused. I wanted a guy who could use his athleticism to bail himself out of some of those situations, and Mac Jones doesn't have that. I wanted Justin Fields for that very reason. Right? Young quarterbacks use their mobility to help them out of situations. Josh Allen did it. Daniel Jones did it. The young quarterback needs to be able to buy time, and they do that with their legs. That helps things come into focus because it allows things to extend and develop down the field. So when you are young, athleticism is a prerequisite. I absolutely believe that. But I don't believe that truly veteran quarterbacks need to be overly athletic. Okay? And Tom Brady's as veteran as it get. They don't as it gets. They don't need that athleticism because they've seen everything. Tom Brady has the answers to the tests. He has the answers to the test pre-snap. He has the answers to the test post-snap. Justin Fields doesn't. The athleticism helps cover up that stuff, that lack of knowledge. Tom Brady has the answers. He knows it pre-snap. He knows it post-snap. He's seen everything. Aaron Rodgers can get away with not really running. Drew Brees got away with not really running. Peyton Manning got away with not really running. And Tom Brady has and can do it too. I watched Geno Smith this year, who has more athleticism than Brady, but I wouldn't call him a mobile quarterback. I watched him destroy teams from the pocket. He's got a decade in the league. He's seen a lot. These guys have experience. The problem is, in the NFL, is that so often young quarterbacks flame out and get discarded. They never get enough experience to get to the Tom Brady point. So that, to me, is the deal. Brady, I think he's more than fine. What the difference is now for Brady is that he is now, like most other quarterbacks, he needs more help than he did in the past. He isn't as good as he was. He is not as athletic as he was. It is harder for him to do things on his own. He still has the answers to the test, but he's like most quarterbacks now. He needs a good offensive line to protect him, which he didn't have last night. He needs a better running game, which he didn't have. He needs receivers to make plays for him. I saw Mike Evans drop multiple catches this year, multiple touchdown passes. Dropped one last night. So... Brady's good enough to play the position. He just needs help from his organization. And with Tampa this year, he didn't get it. With Tampa last night, he didn't get it. But I will refute the idea that Brady's not athletic enough. Right? You, like my fear on Mac Jones is that he wasn't going to be athletic enough to cover up his warts early in his career. If he gets to year seven or eight, then he'll probably start to have the answers to the test. Like Kirk Cousins has some answers to the test. Like Tony Romo had some answers to the test, although Romo was more athletic. But you gotta you gotta stay like Baker Mayfield, it wasn't athletic enough to cover it up, and he's been discarded for the most part. He doesn't have the answers to the test from lack of experience, and he's not athletic, and that's why he's gonna be close to done. Close to Sam Darnold the same. You gotta be athletic young. You don't have to be athletic old. So, uh, Tex says, 
Mary and Randolph. Brady, I agree with you. Brady will be back. And yes, he left his family, but I don't think football was the only fly in the ointment in their marriage. Mary, have you been reading gossip columns and People Magazine and all that stuff? Because I haven't, right? So I don't know everything about Brady and Giselle. Maybe there was something else. But you know what I think the biggest fly in the ointment was? That Tom Brady wasn't around enough. That's, I mean, look, I'm not married yet. I'm still engaged, right? But the biggest ability in a marriage sometimes is availability. And if Tom Brady's gone for, you know, gone physically and mentally for four months of the year for the season, a fifth month of the year for training camp, and then he's training and he's at minicamp and OTAs potentially, and Giselle's with the kids not furthering her career like she wants to, which we, which she put on hold for a decade, I would say that's a big sticking point here. You're not around to help me with the kids. You not being around means I have to be around, which means I can't chase my goals anymore. By the way, you can get really hurt playing your sport and then permanently not be there for the kids. I So I, football is the issue in their marriage. The, the actual schedule of it, the time commitment to it, the limiting ability it had on her life, and the injury factor. I, I would say all of that is is uh, is a major sticking point in their marriage. Brady is going to be back, and I do think he's athletic enough to play the position. He does need help. Will Brady know when it's over? Text on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Man, that is a good question. I think that... I think Brady will know it's over, but I think there has to be a clear situation where it's evident to him that he's the weakness. Does that make sense? Like, I look at the Buccaneers right now, and if I'm Tom Brady, what am I thinking today? I'm thinking, I didn't get a lot of help, did I? Right? I don't know about Byron Leftwich as a play caller, and I'm not quite sure about Todd Bowles as a head coach, and Mike Evans dropped another touchdown pass, and we had some guys injured, and, you know, we lost, you know, our offense, our starting center got hurt in camp, and our defense wasn't quite the same, and if I'm Brady... I think I can defer blame to other people. I don't think I'm looking at it like it's me. And I think Tom Brady will continue to chase situations where he's going to be put in in situations to be successful, right? Like, I'll just throw the 49ers out there. If Tom Brady goes to the 49ers, we think they're a ready-made championship team, right? Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, Shanahan, and that defense. They are awesome. And what they're doing with Brock Purdy, they're great. So if Tom Brady walked into San Francisco, the expectation would be that he'd have a lot of success. But if that team has all those pieces and they stay relatively healthy and the team goes 7-10, and 10, I think Brady looks at it and goes, you know what, maybe the problem's me. Right now, I don't think he's at the point where – right now, I don't think the problem is him. The problem is the stuff around him. If Brady's in a situation where it's clear cut that there should be success there and there's not, 
I think Brady's smart enough to look around and go, you know what, maybe I'm the problem. But I think he's going to continue to chase situations where he can slot in to a ready-made good team. He doesn't want to be the guy lifting everybody up. He wants to be the guy who can just go out and play. If he gets to that point and they can't win, then I think he's smart enough to say, all right, maybe it's a me problem. Uh, let's go from Tom Brady to another quarterback and from you know the athletic conversation to a quarterback who is athletic, and that's Lamar Jackson. I want to say this also. I don't think Lamar Jackson comes to New England. I don't think there's any way that Lamar Jackson comes to New England. Now, I've said I would upgrade from Mac Jones to Lamar Jackson if it were possible. I would, but I don't believe it is. Yesterday, I saw a betting site list the Patriots as the favorite for Lamar Jackson if he left Baltimore. Today, I saw another betting site list the Patriots as third if Lamar Jackson left Baltimore. I don't think it's going to happen, and here's why. Lamar Jackson is not going to get to free agency. If this were just about Lamar Jackson being a free agent and Lamar Jackson getting a bunch of money, then I would say the Patriots could do it, and I would say the Patriots should do it. But it's not just about that. Lamar Jackson's not going to hit free agency. He's going to, if he can't get a long-term deal with Baltimore, he's going to get franchise tagged. The franchise tag is going to be about $45 million. And I'll let Matt Verderam from Fansided.com, who was on our show yesterday, tell you what happens after that. If they don't come to a deal, they're going to tag him for $45.2 million, um, which would be the highest tag ever placed on a player in NFL history. And that will essentially lock the Ravens into not being able to make any moves because that's all their cap space. So if you're Eric DaCosta, their GM there, you're going to make a decision. Are you willing to just run this thing back status quo, which I think at this point, wh- why? What is, what is the reasoning to do that? You're not winning any with this team. Or do you sit there and say, look, Lamar, here's our best offer. You can take it, you can leave it, but here's our best offer. And know that if you leave it, that's fine. We're trading you. And the price is three first-round picks. That's the price. So this is not just about paying Lamar Jackson a bunch of money. This is about paying Lamar Jackson a bunch of money and giving up three first-round picks. At that point, I'm out. And at that point, I believe the Patriots, if they were ever in, they would be out as well. Because here's how this goes. Lamar Jackson gets tagged, $45 million. Then you acquire Lamar Jackson. You trade three first-round picks to Baltimore. And then you have to give Lamar Jackson a mega deal. And you can rework it a bit, and but it's going to be $200 million. Right, like it's going to be a $200 million deal, and a whole bunch of it's going to be guaranteed. So you have to give up three first-round picks and pay all that money? I'm out at that point. And I believe the Patriots will be out at that point too. And I don't think Matt is being facetious. Three first-round picks sounds like the going rate. A 34-year-old Russell Wilson netted two first. Deshaun Watson netted a million picks. I believe it was three first, and he hadn't played in a year and a half and had these character concerns about him, I believe, before he was traded. So that is the going rate now. If Russell Wilson at much older can go for two first-round picks and Watson can go for three, then that's what Jackson's asking price is going to be. I'm not doing it. If the Jets or the Colts or the Commanders or some other woe-be-gone franchise wants to do that, then do it. 
but I can't pay $45, $50 million a year to a guy who we have questions about his availability and take away the three first-round picks that could help him win. I can't do it. I'm out. I think the Patriots would be out, too. I like Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson would be great in New England, and I would pay Lamar Jackson a bunch of money. It's the picks that I can't handle. I can't reconcile it. Lamar Jackson is a guy we have questions about his durability and availability. He hasn't finished the season a couple of times in his career. Missed the playoffs this year. And you want me to give up three first-round picks that can help this team? This team has holes, right? This team has holes on the offensive line. It has holes in the secondary. It has holes at wide receiver. And you want me to give up the picks that can help me affect those positions? I can't do it. Rick in Wilmington on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Brady, do you have issues about signing Lamar Jackson based on what you speculated about yesterday? If he was sitting out to protect his earnings, doesn't sound like a quarterback I'd want anyways. Look, that's not my issue. That's not my issue. Once Lamar Jackson gets paid and that money's guaranteed, those business decisions, as far as I'm concerned, they go away. Right? If Lamar Jackson was, and we don't know if he was, but if he was sitting out to protect his money, once he gets his money, there's no reason to sit out anymore. At that point, you get a guy's best. I believe that. My problem is trading three first-round picks. That's what I don't want to do. I mean, I believe that having Mac Jones and my first-round picks and paying $44 million less than I'm paying Lamar Jackson, I believe that's more desirable. I love Lamar in comparison to Mac, but I keep my picks. I pay $45 million less, and I still have Mac. That, to me, seems better. That So it's not about money. It's about draft picks, and that's the difference. Bill over in Waterbury. Brady, hear me out. What if you didn't trade draft picks for Lamar, but you just traded Mac? Would that work? Well, Mac for Lamar straight up. That's not happening. Right? Like, we can... We could throw that one right to the side. But, Bill, you are on to an interesting idea. What if you traded Mac and a first and a third? Would Baltimore be interested in that? I would do it. I don't think Baltimore would. I think Baltimore looks at it like, hey, if we're going to trade Lamar Jackson we got to get a better quarterback than Mac Jones. We either got to get a top-flight pick to go get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, or we've got to get an already established quarterback who's better than Mac. Right? Maybe they view Derek Carr as better. Now, maybe they don't want to pay Derek Carr, but maybe they go after Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they go after Tom Brady in that regard. I think that Bill is on to something. That's an offer I would make. Mac Jones, a first and a third. I could do that for Lamar Jackson. But does Baltimore do it? I would say probably not. It is more interesting, though. than It's more enticing to me than trading three first-round picks. No other real news on the Patriots today, just kind of the continuation of what we talked about yesterday, that uh, Bill O'Brien is reportedly the kind of preferred candidate for the offensive coordinator job. Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston had that yesterday. It reports today that ownership is kind of pushing for Bill O'Brien. I'm not sure of Bill O'Brien's interest. We're actually going to talk to Alabama football reporter Mike Rodak tomorrow 
on the show. He's going to be with us at 545. He covers Bama. He knows all there is to know about this story and about Bill O'Brien, so we'll kind of get some stuff on him. Some Red Sox news kind of going with what we talked about with Tom Karen. I like what I'm hearing recently about the Red Sox and their interest in free agents out there. I've heard they're interested in Adam Duvall. I've heard they're interested in infielder Elvis Andrews. I've heard they're interested in utility player Jurex and Profar. Basically, at this point, I'm interested in any player who's a major league player. I want the Red Sox to be as good as possible in 2023. So if you're giving me real names, then I'm in. I don't want to hear about non-roster invitees. I don't want to hear about minor league possibilities, minor league signings. I want as much major league talent as possible on the Red Sox. Adam Duvall, and Profar, Elvis Andrews, any or all of those players I'd be down with. Any or all of those players I'd be down with. I mean, Duvall hits for power, 38 home runs in 2021, won a gold glove. He could play center field, allow Kike to move to the infield. That would be, I maybe he's an Adam Renf- or a Hunter Renfro type, right? Duvall was not good last year, but maybe they can turn him around like they turned around Renfro. Plays good defense in the outfield. Kike can come to the infield, and, and Duvall hits some power. Okay, I could do that. Elvis Andrews would solidify shortstop. He'd allow Kike to stay in center. I could do that too. Profar could play all over the field. A little pop, a little speed, defensive versatility. I'd be all right with all of that. Um, You know, look, they're, they're major league players, and I want major league players. This seems to fit what I've been saying about the Red Sox, right? Look, the 2021 Red Sox were supposed to be bad. They got to the ALCS. So they were supposed to be bad. Maybe this year's team, you compile enough major league players, and this team surprises you like that one did. Great. If the team is still bad, then you trade some of these guys for future assets. It gives you the opportunity to be good, but it also gives you short-term flexibility. I I, I think that would be a win-win. Duvall, Andrews, Profar, I'm kind of in on all of them. Texter says, what about trading all of them, Mac, Zappi, and Belichick? That's facetious. I'm not even going to answer that. So, not going to answer that. All right, that's going to do it for us. Mike Rodak from uh, AL.com will talk uh, Alabama and Bill O'Brien's connection to the Patriots with us at uh, tomorrow at 545. I'll have Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio tomorrow. We'll do some stuff on UVM Hoops as they get ready for Maine on Thursday. So, lots to get to tomorrow. Go download the podcast today on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can also find it at WDEVradio.com. Norwich Hockey is coming up next. Craig Durham and George Como are rinkside at Kreitzberg Arena. The Cadets are taking on Middlebury College. The Panthers and Cadets, their longstanding rivalry renewed. Norwich looking to stay in the win column after a two-win weekend. I'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Norwich Hockey's next on DV.